Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? Hi, Nick. I am. I'm, I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm recovering from quite a quite a meaty bit of a weekend that I had uh, in Nuremberg. I was away over Saturday night. It was the first night um, I've spent away from the family since uh, my son was born. So uh, you can imagine how happy I was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was great. No, um, yeah. No, it was good. It was a really good night. It was a really good uh, frisk. Saw former co-host Simon mm. and some other uh, lovely people, and we drank lots of beer. Uh, we were in Nuremberg. I didn't realize that Baden-Treffen was going to be on. Have you heard of Baden-Treffen before? I have not heard of Baden-Treffen before. Is it Baden-Treffen? Is that what you just said? Baden-Treffen. To meet people for a swim. No, no, not Baden as in to bathe. It's yeah. Baden as in musician, a bard. Ah. Yeah. So Baden-Treffen is a massive festival that's held usually around the end of July hmm. in Nuremberg. And it takes over the entire city center, mm. which is quite—it's quite a spacious place. The city center, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of parts to it. It's a big city, mm. uh, is Nuremberg, and uh, yeah, they have this open air music festival nice. that has the Hauptmarkt's got like a big stage and performances on stage. But mm. the best bit about it is they allow anyone to pitch up and play music in the street. The only mm. rule I think is. They have to be there for only an hour and a half, and then they have to move to another spot. Oh. And so you just walk around the city. All the bars are open. Yeah. Uh, and there's just loads of music everywhere, and you sort of stop, and you see bands, and yeah. um, you see little kids playing nose flutes and that kind of jazz. And then you see like – we saw we – I think we stood outside the very medieval-looking Altstadt, uh, right by the castle. Okay. Sounds and, exciting. And uh, with a punk band playing sort of random punk tunes. I was like, this is great. Fantastic. So, yeah, that's where we were. So we had a bit of an adventure in Nuremberg. And we also had some weird interactions with local uh, Franconians, one group in particular. Uh-huh. Uh, we were drinking in a bar. Yeah. And uh, there was a big group of us all sort of chatting away uh, in English. Mm. And this uh, group of locals turned up, all blokes. Mm. And the first thing they said was, oh, God, I hate Americans in German. Oh. Right. Obviously talking about us. And one of the lads who was with us just turned around as they were sitting down. Yeah. Uh, and said, uh, wir sprechen Deutsch. <laughs> and the look on their faces. He said it really tersely to him. And he's like, the, there was a weird interaction because I'd had a few beers. So I just went yeah. straight to like anger. Because uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't heard it. And then someone said, I heard him say, like wir sprechen Deutsch, yeah, and um, and uh, and I was like, "Why is he saying that?" And then someone told us, and I was beginning to lose my rag. And then one of them came and sat next to me, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I started losing my mind." But um, it was actually a really interesting in a cultural moment because I I read it yeah. as this was like an aggression. He kept saying things like he asked uh, one of our Franconian friends mm. if he was born in in Franconia, mm. and he kept talking about how this is mein Heim. Mm. And I was beginning to get more and more angry. But I think I actually misread it. I think he was really just trying to calm it down. Mm. I think, he, or he was worried that we were all about to beat the shit out of them. One of the two. Mm. Either way, it was. I think it was an attempt to kind of... L- Backtrack. L- 
yeah basically and 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 it was, it was all right in the end but mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where you're just like oh god totally crap but the rest of the night was very good okay very fun. okay but yeah were they drunk too yeah i didn't they didn't seem so okay. no not particularly but it just um you know when i have those moments mm. especially about like cause they're so few few and far between mm. for me that you kind of you think oh like if if this was my only interaction with Nuremberg, mm. it really sour that experience. Mm. But you know, it's like it's happened so infrequently yeah. to to us at least. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've had similar experiences in the past to someone sort of speaking about you in German, perhaps. Or I'm sure other people will have had experiences maybe of hearing someone talking about them while, while in another language. Um, I don't know if you have had that experience. Hmm. I haven't actually. I can't. I can't think of an instance. I've had like um, a lady in the train. Um, I was with a couple of other Sri Lankans on the train, and there was a German lady, a German woman next to us. And at some point, she was like, she she went. She said in a huff that we were very loud, and then everyone else was like, "Oh, we're sorry. We we'll, we'll try to speak softer." But the thing is, we were not loud. It's a bloody train, and mm. it was not the quiet compartment. So. It's just the idea that brown people need some kind of supervision on a mm. train got to me. But that was that. I just think it's like low level xenophobia, isn't it? Just like mm-hmm. you know, you, and this the my experience is probably a bit more direct than 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 yours. Yours is yours was more I guess a microaggression in some to some extent. Yes. Ours was a, ours was more just aggression. <laughs> just straight <laughs> was that the micro about it. But uh, I mean, I didn't sour my opinion of um, of, of Nuremberg in any way, mm. shape, or form. But I, I will say, I will say this: I learned something else on Sunday morning mm-hmm. about how I can't do hangovers anymore. I just can't do them. Like I was driving home, and I was just like, I am still, I still feel really ill. Like I was, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of slept it off, waited a good, a, a good distance of time, yeah, and then just hopped in the car. I was fine, uh, but I felt just like really sick. And I don't usually feel like like stomach sick. Like yeah. I was like, oh God, I feel like. And I bought this is how bad it was. And this is the scale of how terrible it was. Mm. Bought a cup of coffee. I bought a croissant and a nushnecker because I was like, those three things will mm. will make me feel better. Mm. I couldn't even I couldn't even look at them until I'd been driving for at least an hour. <laughs> I, was like, I couldn't even think about it. I was like, it was like sort of ten o'clock or eleven o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, I can't, I can't even consider these items. You couldn't consider a nussecker. That's like that nussschnecker. A nussschnecker. Okay. The nussecker would have been that would have been killed me, man. Those are like a those are quite thick, aren't they? So like yeah, oof. the thick beasts with jam yeah. and sweetness yeah. and nuts, yeah, and chocolate. That would have probably killed me in my condition. But yeah, I got home. My daughter ignored me. The baby was asleep. Mm. The only person to welcome me home was my wife, who was just like. Shook her head. <laughs> just came to the door. <laughs> just said, like, I feel really ill. And she's like, I don't care. You deserve it. <laughs> nah, she was lovely. She was really, really nice. Then we got ice cream. It was beautiful. Oh, so, Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. But um, yeah, it was so active weekend. Mm-hmm. Shenanigans, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what about you? Me? I am, I learned some, some British trivia. I'm not sure how I can incorporate this into the podcast, but I'm going to try anyway. Just wedge it in. That's what I do. <laughs> Just wedge it in without any discourse markers at the beginning or the end. Just put it in. 
I learned that Richard Ayode, is that how you say his name? Richard Ayode? Richard Ayoade, yeah. Ayoade, I'm sorry. Richard Ayoade is the brother-in-law of Lawrence Fox. Yeah, yeah, I learned that today. I saw a tweet as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, Listeners may not know. I mean, British listeners probably have some awareness of Lawrence Fox. He was a, a sort of B-list, maybe even C-list character actor in sort of TV shows. And then he appeared on one episode of Newsnight, which is the British sort of Thursday night politics show. Mm-hmm. It's like a forum for idiots. Um, he said some really racist shit and then, uh, or like maybe it wasn't racist shit per se, but it was more like uh, complete insensitivity to the realities of, of people of the lives of people of color. Mm, he's very nationalist. Um, yeah. And then he just went full right wing. He just went tall. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. he's one of, he's one of them right wing grifters. Yeah. But yeah, he's a very strange fellow. But yeah, I was surprised because Richard Ayoade's like, he's sort of, national treasure status in Britain very he was in the IT crowd with uh, Chris O'Dowd I mean also yeah. national treasure and uh, he's done he's, he does sort of he did Travel Man which is a travel show uh-huh. and he's done Gadget Man like a gadget show he sort of appears on panel shows he's quite funny he's quite a funny guy I've written some books he's talented yeah yeah directed uh, the film Submarine I think it's called quite a good film well that was him yeah, but um, it's weird when you see those connections when you're like, oh, right, I didn't realize that they were, that there was that weird kind of combination of things. That was like but, British um, actor, actor whiplash kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. There's one, the, the, the one I always love is, uh, this is really old bit of British trivia, mm. but um, I think it was the Brit Awards years ago. Mm. And uh, I believe Michael Jackson was performing mm. and it was when he was doing the uh was it black and white the name of the song he did um doesn't matter if you're mm. black or white mm-hmm. and and he was performing that and there's a sequence in the performance where he where he has like a christ pose and the lead singer of the of, of the band pulp jarvis cocker mm-hmm. ran on stage and tried to rugby tackle him <laughs> and uh the security like pulled him off stage mm. And, the, and he got arrested and taken to the police station mm. and the person who turned up at the police station to represent uh, Jarvis Cocker in his hour of need was the comedian Bob Mortimer of the famous British comedic duo Reeves and Mortimer, sort of surreal TV comedians of the early 90s, because he was a solicitor. <laughs> so you turn like, you can imagine the situation at the police station where you got Jarvis Cocker in, in for questioning. Yeah. And then Bob Mortimer turns up, this sort of surreal comedian <laughs> going, I'm a solicitor. You'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm sure you are, mate. Yeah, whatever you say. Um, but yeah, very weird connections. Sounds um, like it. Anyway, uh, we've got some exciting updates from last week. We talked a bit about the World Cup, didn't we? And uh, I thought I'd just go through some of the exciting results. I picked three teams to talk about. And uh, first, first off the blocks was Merry Old England. And mm-hmm. they won. They won 1-0 thanks to a, a penalty from uh, Georgia Stanway. Uh, may I just pause you here to say, because I know that we have a very beloved uh, bunch of listeners who were waiting for Dilly's Fruit Corner, but it is not happening this week. Hi, Tina. Uh, because Nick wants to do it every two weeks because the fruit is getting to him. It's too much pleasure and too mu- too many textures and no, yeah. it's not that. I, I just don't want to do it every... I just don't want to put myself through that every week. Come on. You've got my digestion to think about. Were you thinking about that in Nuremberg? Nah. I, no, I really wasn't. I certainly <laughs> wasn't. Um, but the, my thought is that, uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know how much listeners really want to hear me eating on the podcast every week. I'm not sure I want to make that a fixture. And uh, yeah, also like those those gooseberries were rank. <laughs> so I want a bit of I want a bit of distance between me and them before I go back on uh, uh, into Dilly's fruit corner. It's uh, it's more like Dilly's fruit prison, if you ask me. Anyway, can we get back to the important topics like football? The appalling topics like football. Why did you think I wanted a pause? Okay, fine. Let's get back to football. There we go. That's what I want. Anyway, England won 1-0. Thanks to Georgia Stanway. She's a superstar. It was a penalty. Uh, the performance wasn't that great. But hey, wins a wins a wins a win, as they say mm-hmm. in the world of football, apparently, I am told. Uh, Denmark were next up and they played China and Denmark uh, won 1-0 as well. Thanks to Amelia um, Vangsgaard, I think her name is. 89th minute. Nice goal. And uh, then we turn to the ever popular German team. And uh, you never guess what, Dilly. Germany came racing out the blocks. They were playing uh, Morocco. Ooh. And they won 6 0. 6 0, no less. They really gave Morocco a shellacking. And uh, the captain, Alexandra Pop, who we mentioned in the, in the preview, yeah. scored two. And uh, a number of other, uh, a couple of own goals in there as well um, from Morocco. But yeah, it was a it was a good start for for all the teams, all the teams except. Uh, well, I mean, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for producer Simon's New Zealand. They started uh, the tournament on Thursday with a a really nice one nil win against Norway. Yeah, and uh, they were all set up to uh, do some damage to their opponents, mm-hmm. and uh, who were the Philippines, and they lost one nil. Oh no. You got any thoughts on that, producer Simon? Anything you want to share with us? Get it out. Get out your system. Uh, not particularly. Um, the, I saw the first game. Um, first game was awesome. They they really deserved the the win. It was well earned. Second game, I didn't see. I I was aware of the score at half time, and I just I couldn't face it. It was too much. It would have, it would have just ruined me for the whole day. So I chickened out and didn't watch it. I feel a bit bad about that. Anyway, <laughs> to deal with that, I guess. Too much pressure, too early in the morning. Uh, that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I watched the second half of the England game because I didn't. I, I was, I was a baby, baby uh, wrangling. I think would be the term. Um, so uh, I didn't have a chance to watch the full game on Saturday. But I'm hoping I'll catch the next one. Uh, but yeah. Um, well, good luck to New Zealand. Um, I hope they do go through because you want you want the uh, the home teams to go as far as possible. That's what they want. They've got Switzerland in the last game. It's a toughie. It's a toughie. Anyway, we'll we'll catch up with the football, I guess, next week. Uh, Dilly, Dilly. Yes. What's what's that coming over the hill? Is it a is it a lion or is it or is it a pig? Dilly, is that? A lion or a pig? Can you tell the difference between a lion and a pig? It's been the question I've been asking myself for the last, I don't know, five days. What was that? Seriously. <laughs> that so, was the, the biggest letdown. I mean, the hype. And, uh, you know, we were, we were on tenterhooks and then it was nothing. Yeah, no, imagine the excitement. So the, uh, I believe I call it the summer, summer loch is the term they use in Germany for the silly season. But the silly season has begun in earnest, as last week Berlin has reported citing a lion roaming the wilds of South Berlin. 
well, just south of Berlin, rather. Police were still patrolling Klein Machnau uh, in increased numbers up until Monday, looking for Simba's mum. Yes, Thursday saw reports, or at least a witness video, which police believed initially to show a lioness uh, and uh, set the entire internet on fire for at least two days. Um, so yeah, Dilly, you we seem unimpressed with the, is it a pig, is it a lion debate? You know, Nick, I'm a Sri Lankan and I know my lions because we have one on the flag and nowhere else. And I know my wild boars because we have wild boars. And I mean, you see that you're very sure that it's a lion and you, you, you follow the news. And, and then at some point, someone said the police were in the woods getting the joggers to go back home. And I sent it to like five family members, this news with the caption joggers with two question marks. I mean, who does that? And, you know, I was completely... Well, who jogs? Who jogs? Who jogs in the woods when there's a lion on the loose? <laughs> the brave. The brave and the bold. I, I don't know. I mean, are people this dedicated to fitness? Is it the Fitbit or whatever it is they wear? Is it just, you know, people... We, we share too many cat videos and people like... They're like, aww... It's, you know, the big cat. It's just a big kitty. And that's what my friends said. And no. And then, I mean, okay, fine. It was a wild boar, but then they have to find it, right? Well, I mean, I think the, it's, a, it's a wild boar. It knows what it's doing, right? The the clue's in the, the first part of the name. He <laughs> <laughs> knows what it's up to. knows what it's about. I mean, I was thinking, mm. as you were saying, why would joggers go into the woods if there was a potential lion yeah. attack? on the horizon Instagram. i think well first off well yeah first off it's berlin right so everyone's everyone's into their their instagram moments um but i was thinking it was the next new craze you know instead of these fitness apps and fitbits as you mentioned the new craze would be getting fit by being chased by uh, extremely dangerous wild animals you could have uh, i don't know uh, sprints being chased by a, a i don't know a jaguar or something like that or maybe you could do tree climbing being chased by a bear or Perhaps like uh, bursts of speed as you get attacked by a crocodile. I see. It's like jog, but uh, like on life on the edge kind of thing. It's the adrenaline. Yeah, I can't exactly. even say that. Adre adrenaline. See. Say it again. Say it again. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. This is my nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> You just had your nuclear moment. So yeah, the uh, in reality, so the, there was this line report, and uh, I think it was twenty four hours of kind of uh, chaos, and then really you everything know what? kind of. I'm, I'm disappointed about like because I think that they did find something, and they just you know you <laughs> you you just don't want people to know how the lion got out or whose lion it is, and they just. They probably like you know got animal control to take it away, and we're like, yeah, okay, there's nothing to see here, guys. Go back home. Just go back home to your children. <laughs> Thank you very much. Are we so jaded, Dilly, that we don't even believe the uh, officials when they tell us there's no lions in Berlin? No, I it's, like I said, I'm Sri Lankan. We have flags, lions on the flags. We have wild boars, and we have officials that we do not believe. <laughs> All right, it's just a fact of life. They've got lions on the flag. We've got, we've got lying politicians. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there was a moment where uh, Mayor uh, Michael Grubert, uh, I believe is his name, uh, was holding up printed out pictures with outlines of 
boars versus an outline of a lioness. And uh, it was all a bit ridiculous, really. So um, effectively, the excitement was was over by Friday afternoon as expert analysis suggested the images that had been taken of the supposed lioness were in fact of a wild boar. And the authorities basically said, there's, there's no more. There's no, nothing to worry about now. I think they used the term acute danger. Um, so yeah, rather, rather sad. Um, I mean, ultimately, this is the best ending we could have hoped for, right? I mean, there were no casualties. Nobody got hurt, perhaps except for me. So yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, I think you you were kind of wanting to find a, a you wanted them to find a lion, didn't you? I did. You know, I mean, this really was the best that. thing that happened last week. <laughs> Come on. I mean, we went to the Frankfurt Zoo last Sunday and I'm not a zoo person. I haven't been to a zoo since I was eight and I ate cotton candy and threw half of it in the bushes in Colombo, by the way. Mm-hmm. And we you know we went to the zoo and there was the big cat arrow. So we followed it. And they had a notice, like it was just an A4 paper. And in on in English, it said, where are the lions? Because apparently the cage was closed. There was no public viewing. And that was the information. But the title was, where are the lions? And when people were looking for a lion in Berlin, that is not the thing you write on a notice. Where are the lions? Well, if you don't know how the... Yeah, I don't want to swear because Simon says I swear too much. Ah, uh, where the bleep I you, I are the lions? Oh, uh, I like it when you swear. It's much more of an enjoyable experience. It gives me free license to swear more if you're. I'm swearing, gonna say so. bleep from now on. Ah, uh, don't be, don't be that person. <laughs> don't be that person. Um, yeah, I mean, do, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I was trying to think of what do they have lines in Augsburg Zoo? Honestly, Augsburg Zoo is. If you like zoos, I guess it's nice. I hate zoos. I find them I, appalling. I know. They're depressing. And poor zebras really without even like mm. 70 square meters of running field. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about the Frankfurt Zoo, I think, is that there is a goat cuddling station. Although that's not the name, but it should be called that. Aren't goats like, you know, smelly as fuck? Well, they smell like goats and they're cuddly and warm and you can carry them. Have you not done that with goats? Nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not a goat fondler. Don't put me in that bracket. Maybe Simon <laughs> just owns a sheep, so. <gasps> oh, yeah, I mean, Simon, Simon's got a lot of uh, uh, peculiarities, uh, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's going to make yeah, you some sure. real nice I know, I'm just... Uh, so listeners, enjoy my high-pitched voice for the rest of this show. <laughs> Simon just adds pitch, like nobody's business. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of... This is one of them fun stories. It didn't really... It captured everyone's imagination. It's nice when you have these moments where kind of everyone's sort of following the similar story. It's not really that serious. It's not something that where anyone's in any real danger, really. And it's all kind of a little bit ridiculous. And uh, that's the kind of story I'm into, especially over the summer. It's nice to have a bit of a break from all the terrifying news, mm. uh, which, of course, was still going on as as the line was around Berlin, but we could all draw our attention to something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm waiting for the next kind of wild, wild story to come out of, uh, out of the summer loch. I'm sure there's plenty more to come.
Speaking of the summer lock, the Bundestag is on its summer pause, which usually means that most of the political news dries up, at least until September. Uh, Olaf Scholz may or may not be on holiday, but honestly, we have no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty much due to, well, obviously, he's the Chancellor, so security reasons. They don't tell you where the Chancellor goes on holiday uh, or his general whereabouts during the summer. Uh, but we all know what's going on. We all know what Olaf Scholz is doing. He's in Mallorca, hanging out on the Balaman, drinking pints and vites, and that's what he's up to, <laughs> singing slightly atrocious Balaman hits. There's a name for what you just said. I think it's Uppe Nachtrede. Uppe Nachtrede. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I like the idea. I like the idea that he's in a club right now with his like tie around his head, sort of dancing. And raving his ass off. That was a great image, I think. He's probably not doing that, sadly, but you know, what are you going to do? We're just going to be sued collectively, aren't we? Yeah, I know he's going to come hunt <laughs> me down. The Fassung Schutz is going to be knocking on the door. Um, yeah, what about the rest of those uh, those politicians in the Bundestag, or at least in the cabinet? Well, we do know uh, Federal Interior Minister Nancy Faeser mm -hmm. and Federal Transport Minister Volker Vissing, who have been both been mentioned on the podcast in recent months. Mm -hmm. And uh, and as uh, has Defence Minister Boris Pistorius, mm -hmm. well, they've all headed off to France. And this is, this is my thought here. They've all headed off to France. And you might assume they're in separate accommodation, but I like to think they've got a big shared house in, I don't know, the Loire Valley, and uh, they're having like a, a really damn fine time filming some kind of really terrifying reality TV show that we'll see on ZDF come come October. Um, Nick, I'm going to raise my hand here at this point. Uh, yes, I, you at the back there. You, yes. Thank you, you very much. I have a, a comment that is more of a question as well. A comment? A comment. I have a comment for you. So the first thing is, I don't know what's... Uh, what alarms me more, I now have to live with the knowledge that I know what uh, our politicians um, are doing on holiday and where they are. And I also have to live with the comments you make about what they are doing during the holidays and where they are, which is like, you hope that everyone going to France will share a house and, you know. Do you not think it's a lovely image? It's a lovely image, all the politicians sitting around the campfire. I don't know. Nancy Faser gets the uh, guitar out. They start singing. I don't know. Balaman hits. <laughs> what are they doing in France, by the way? Well, that's it. That's that's what I want to know. That is what I want to know. No, you want to imagine them doing things like like on America's uh, Next Top Model, like in one shared house. I was thinking that. I was thinking it was more like a sedate kind of. I don't, you've you've made this creepy, Dilly. This is your. This is you. You've made it creepy. You said campfire. Hey, I was thinking like uh, like you know like this when the scouts or the brownies go out into the woods for like a week in the summer. Oh, sure, that's learn, what you had in mind. To learn the like brownies. woodcraft, uh, and yeah. you've just turned it into some sinister. Was it Love Island sex thing? I said no. America's Next Top Model, and filthy. you said you Love filthy, Island. You've made it filthy, Dilly. You've made it filthy. You Dilly. said I'm, Love Island. Depressing, very upsetting. Your head the is in the gutter. The listeners will be devastated. You have uh, a house in so... the gutter, Nick. Hey, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I have okay, a summer house one in question. the gutter. I didn't come to my question yet. This is my question. And it's oh, you got another question. You, you just wanted to insult me first and, yes, and, and I, sex up the story. Go on, give I'm me a question. I'm sexing it up. This is what I do to the panelists. 
How do you know everyone's summer plans? Like you got postcards or something? I subscribe to a lot of newsletters. Uh, no, um, it's it's freely available information. It's the summer, man. There's nothing going on. There's loads of these articles about what people are doing over the summer. In fact, if you went on Twitter, you'd see what most people are doing. Anyway, Carl Lauterbach was posting photos of him sitting in the garden reading uh, reading a book, you know? So uh, this information's there if you want it. You know, we all carry supercomputers in our pockets. Did he have hairy legs and shorts? I didn't think he showed his legs. Oh, I wish he had, though. I bet he, I bet he does. Yeah, I bet he does. Anyway, it's you making the podcast sexy again. Stop objectifying politicians. It's disgraceful. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, Minister of Labour, Hubertus Heil, he stays in the garden, damn it. And he said, this year, I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time in the garden with my children and my wife, especially now in summer. We like to enjoy family time at home. And I can't agree more. Um, I think that's a very fair fair way to spend your holiday mm -hmm. i believe staying at home for your holidays in the summer is called is it like balconian or something like that it's got a funny name about like the balcon ulaub oh really yeah i think it's got like a, a particular term uh for, for like we have staycation staying at home yeah minister of justice marco bushman well He's done the right thing, and he's gone to Scotland. Why has he gone to Scotland? Because it's the home country of Adam Smith, uh, the famous philosopher and the founder of modern economics. And it's apparently Adam Smith's 300th birthday, and there's going to be some celebrations in Scotland this year. So if you're, if you're really so inclined, you can join Marco to celebrate some economic history. Uh, why not? Um, there's a nice statue of uh, Adam Smith in, uh, in Edinburgh, so you can go. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Have a have a beer next to the statue. Ah, yes, of course. Um, economics minister Robert Harbeck. Well, what is he doing? Guy probably deserves a holiday after the year he's had. <laughs> uh, you would you would assume, but uh, actually, he's. <laughs> I don't. I like. I, I like Robert Harbeck, but I do get the feeling that Robert Harbeck is a bit like the geeky kid at school. Yeah, yeah. Um, more sort of. Uh, this is what he said. Uh, he said, I hope that I'll have a few days rest and I can only think about political issues abstractly. I feel like the political issues are living in his head rent free. Um, so oh, he's, okay. he's, he's going to be taking some rest, but thinking about things abstractly. You know, I will bake a cake, Nick, for anyone who can get a proper reply from Harvey. Because every interview I've seen of him, it's like he's five years old and he's at the barber. And that's the one who has loud scissors and a hung hungry Rottweiler somewhere in a corner. You can. What do you mean? He he he's he's very dodgy. He's never forthright. He uh, uh, he he's always he seems unwilling. What Robert Harbeck? Yeah. I, I can't. I don't. I don't know that he's evasive. I think he's probably one of the most honest politicians. I think he's he's frequently he frequently explains things. Explain well, he used to be a, a a kids writer, didn't he? He used to write books for children. He tends to explain things in a very simplistic way to people. Is that true? Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Aww. And um, I quite like the way he communicates. I, I don't I don't quite get the analogy though. What's the uh, what's the Rottweiler in the corner for? It's just to mean that he sounds like a a kid who doesn't want to be there. Oh no, I think that's. I think that's true. After the last twelve months, he's probably, probably pig sick of the Bundestag. He he looks really uncomfortable, and and he gives like very evasive answers sometimes. Like he's flippant. I wouldn't say flippancy is evasive. I would say he has the 
the right level of respect for mm. journalists, which is that they're a necessary annoyance, and I don't think he he hides that. Mm. He does not hide his annoyance, true, or his distaste. So, um, yeah, so everyone's having a grand old time on their summer holidays, but there's one person we've not mentioned, one important person we should have mentioned, surely, the opposition leader, mm -hmm. Frederick Mertz. What's he doing with his holidays? Well, they say there's no rest for the wicked, and as it transpires, Mertz gave a cheery summertime interview where he declared 10 years of political reality totally null and void. And he told ZDF that the his party, the CDU, the Christian Democrats, would have, well, no, that's probably putting too much emphasis. He said, could work with the RFD, but only in municipal areas, which is, which is great news for the summer, right? That the right of centre party, the main right of centre party, one of the, the most successful party in the Bundestag, has opened one small door to the reactionary extremist right-wing RFD. Happy days. What a what good news we've got. Uh, it's made us all very happy in our summertime moments. Um, yeah, not great. Uh, he did. He, did he, he said, yeah, municipal areas said local politics are different from state and federal politics. If the RFD elected a district administrator in Thuringia and a mayor in Saxony-Anhalt, as they did last month, then these were democratic elections. We have to accept that, he said. And of course, the local parliaments have to look to for ways to shape the city the state and the district together um yeah so it feels a bit like we kind of predicted this when we talked about the uh the election in uh, Turingia last month that there would have to be some interaction at the municipal level but yeah this uh, announcement wasn't really welcomed with open arms by anyone in particular Mertz went for even further than the interview, and he tweeted on Sunday evening, the issue of cooperation with the RFD affects the legislative bodies, i.e. the European Parliament, the Bundestag, and the state parliaments. And then um, after lots and lots of criticism, uh, including, get this, Dilly, we might, this might be the first time it's oh, ever going to happen on the podcast. You're ready for this. La, 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 I can't believe it's going to happen, but, la, but, but hold la, on. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Dilly. Before you close your ears, we we do have to talk about this. We might just be in agreement with Marcus Suda, who also uh, came out strongly against what uh, Mertz had said. And uh, Mertz, obviously feeling the fire from all sides, backtracked slightly on Monday mm -hmm. when he tweeted, to make it clear again, and I never said it differently, the resolution of the CDU applies. There will also be no cooperation between the CDU and the RFD at the municipal level, which was a direct contradiction of what he'd said only the day before. Um, it, it, the best bit of all of this is now that tweet has uh, one of those Twitter clarification messages. And it's basically like, this is what Mert said on Sunday. This is what he said on Monday. So um, obviously anything to do with RFD is, is very, is very um, emotive for a lot of people. Uh, there's definitely a lot of anger right, righteously about it. So, yeah. Are you surprised by all these statements? I'm just wondering. So, Markus Söder is against uh, Merz saying that uh, the CDU is happy to work with the IFD together at a municipal level. We didn't. We we have to be careful here because what Merz had basically said was at the municipal level, at the mm -hmm. city level, there would be a situation where the um, the firewall, the mm. brand mauer that, that that's, that's been around the established uh, parties in the mm. Bundestag would kind of shift slightly because 
you still have to make things work. Uh, municipal politics mm. are different. Municipal politics are about uh, kindergartens and roads and the bins and, and recycling hoffs mm. and things like that. And the other side of this is if your municipal government doesn't function, I believe the law says that a larger district government can take over control of that town. And that would look bad for everyone really concerned. And it would probably actually be to the benefit of the RFD, given their kind of their their approach to self-promotion. But what Serda actually mm. said, this is what Serda said, the CSU rejects any cooperation with the RFD, regardless of the political level. Oh. Because the RFD is anti-democratic, right-wing extremist, and divides our society. That is not compatible with our values. And I was like, hot diggity dog. I just agreed with Marcus. Sir. I know. I mean, the, it was distasteful enough to hear his name and then to realize that I agree with him was a second distasteful thing to happen in that second. But I do have a question, though. So, I mean, there were CSU politicians who posed uh, for a photograph with the ultra-conservative Florida Republican Florida Governor Robert DeSantis in... In May, yes. I think, in May this year. May. I think it was the visit was in May. So yeah. that is okay, but but you want to go out on record saying that you're that we cannot be working together with the IFD at any level. I kind of have a feeling that the incident in Erding, um but last month where we was booed on a stage by all these sort of very right wing, thirteen thousand kind of right wing protesters might have flicked a switch. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like overstating it. But I think I think it's rather the fact that he's got a he's got a election in mm -hmm. October. There isn't going to be. Uh, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look for Marcus Sutter to be supporting the RFD because this is not a, not a. It's sure it's polling at twenty percent, but I, I still don't believe that twenty percent. Is, is 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 a good reflection yeah. of how votes will turn out and i think there's a lot of people who do dislike not just the C, not just the um, mm. rfd but any idea that the, the co cooperation would occur between established parties and the rfd okay because divisive politics is not entirely new to marcus soda no no i mean uh, part of me is like uh, we would take the piss out of marcus soda we take mm. the piss out of a lot of a lot of people on the show but like politics is cooperation and and it's also about compromise mm. and that's how it works you can't always get your own way and you need to work with people who have different different political opinions and if this kind of becomes a one one mm. agreement can lead to another agreement i don't think it's necessary i don't want to i don't like the policies of the mm. csu i don't like the policies of the cdu but i think we want to have all people represented and we want to have these debates because it's how politics should function properly um so to, to a certain extent i kind of i kind of i was kind of pleased to see he said that uh whether i mean let's see what happens right yeah. let's see how everything pans mm -hmm. out but uh, i've uh, give me a bit of faith but there was loads of other people who had things to say we had the foreign uh cdu um uh representative uh N norbert rutigan I think I'm saying his name correctly there. He said, anyone who wants to change um, what's going on with the brand mower, the, 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 the opposition to the RFD, must find a majority at a federal party conference of the CDU, which is a sort of dark threat to Mertz's power. The uh, general secretary of the CDU, uh, Ruprecht Polens, 
he uh, said, uh, no, uh, no, dear Frederick Mertz, Christian, just Christian Democrats do nothing with members of, the, of a fascist party. That's quite strong words. Not even in the cities and communities. The CDU chairman should also adhere to the decisions of the CDU Federal Party Conference. So again, very strong language from people who are um, within the CDU itself. And there was obviously criticisms from large sections. I think fundamentally the problem is now you've made the statement in a point in time where there's very little political mm. news. So I can see this story just continuing, continuing, yeah. getting worse and worse. I think Mertz has really given himself a, a, a headache, um, possibly even really damaged his opportunities to t take hold of the party. Because there's no guarantee just because he's leading them that he'll be the candidate at the next election. True. Could be somebody else. Could be Marcus Suda. Da -da -da. We will see. La, 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 put your fingers in your ears, pet. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the criticisms of Germany is always uh, its lack of modernity in a lot of areas. It looks, Germany looks on the surface like a, a very modern 21st century country. In a lot of ways, it's still very much lead footed right back in the, uh, the 20th. Uh, so uh, this is the story from the Redaktionsnetwerk Deutschland, which is a great example of this kind of weird, weird kind of pseudo-modernity that we live in. But also um, the pseudo-modernity is slightly imposed on Germany by by outside sources. So this is uh, the story um, that was doing the rounds last week about how the Bundestag, uh, in particular, Chancellor Olaf Scholz and uh, the spokesman for the government, Stefan Heberstreit, have had to publish their tweets on the, a government website, uh, screenshots, no less, of their tweets on a government website, because uh, due to decisions made by uh, Elon Musk and Twitter, you can't actually access Twitter without a Twitter account. Mm -hmm. And so for full uh, sort of 360-degree transparency, um, these um, uh, these tweets by the Chancellor and, and by the government spokesman have been put out on uh, bundesregierung.de and bundeskanzler.de <laughs> so non-Twitter users can read along too. How about that, Dilly? It's like when, when uh, your grandma would like print out bits from the internet and give them to you. <laughs> oh, I saw this on the internet. I printed it out. Here you go. I've got a recipe for you. Um, yeah, so it's a bit like that, right? Nick, so let me ask you this. So are you telling me that the Bundestag, the Bundestag, right? Uh, well, it's this, in this instance, it, it, I think it's only been uh, Schultz and his spokes and the government spokesperson who've been, or the, the people who represent them have been putting their tweets on these websites. So there, someone has been putting these people's tweets on their websites, meaning the screenshots, not links. Yeah, yeah. So like an intern, I'm assuming there's a poor intern who has to screen grab <laughs> everything. Is it does a, does the intern think that Olaf Scholz, for instance, has blocked people? I have no idea. Because if you block someone, they can't see it. But if you haven't signed into Twitter and you want to see a tweet, you can still do that. I think this is was was what was happening. I, I, I'm not sure if it's if it's slightly changed. Hmm. There's obviously been some stupid stuff happening, but it was certainly something that was that was occurring, um, and it's still occurring. It looks like yeah, there's a a tweet from. Uh, I think from today on there now, certainly from, from the last week. So um, we've got uh, from the 23rd. Mm. So maybe things have shifted slightly, but um, there's definitely screenshots. There is like screenshots 
<laughs> like full on, full on screenshots, badly, badly uh, clipped screenshots at that um, from various events. Does do you think that the German government knows that Twitter is going down and they just want uh, to screenshot all the messages because one day we might all wake up and Twitter would be gone? I don't think I, I don't see that ever happening. I think it's uh, I think that, that doesn't happen. Like I maybe may, be, may uh, f- the f- sort of predictions have made a fool of me in the past, so I, 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 bear with me. But I just don't see that it's gonna it's gonna just disappear. I think it dies a death. I mean, look at what's happened with other social media platforms. They don't like you can still go on MySpace. Yeah, you know, like it still exists. It's just not very well populated. Oh, MySpace and I think twi- still exists. Okay, I, you can think you can still go on MySpace. Or at least it did for a period of time. It might have finally died, but mm. it certainly um, was was still active despite its death. Tumblr is still active, even though that platform died quite quite uh, viciously mm. a few years ago. Okay. Um, but I think it's. Uh, I think we're waiting to see what the competition will do. Yeah. But I, I can't see a point where Twitter just dies. I think it just slowly falls apart. But um, yeah, I do like the idea though that that like we've got these. These these tweets being sort of copied and pasted onto a website. website. Yeah, that's cute though. <laughs> well, what's quite funny though is the the Redaction Network article uh, mentions that the one of the first politicians to open a Twitter account yeah. was uh, Stefan Seibert in 2011, mm. and he was widely ridiculed for doing so. Um, but um, nowadays, it's quite perfectly normal, you know. Yeah. I mean, every every politician yeah. has a Twitter account. So, um, and I think it'll stay like that until a point in time where nobody nobody accesses it. As long as it still has millions and millions of users at, across the world, as long as there's millions of Germans willing to use it, it's certainly directed a lot more attention for German politics over the last few years. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So, as listeners know, Dilly's got her fruit corner. But I tell you what, I wish it was. I wish it was Dilly's sweets and general junk food corner, because that would be the corner I want to be in. Uh, but even then, I might be. It might be a corner that is uh, receding rapidly, as uh, Federal Food Minister Chem Ozdemir has declared war on uh, not well, not junk food per se, but certainly the advertising of junk food and sugar products aimed at children, uh, despite industry. Uh, insiders complaining and crying and certainly um, coalition partners, F- the FDP, trying to block any bill that would ban or limit advertising of, of, of unhealthy products to kids. However, a majority of Germans support this idea. Uh, they're saying that the, this advertising is definitely uh, damaging to children. They say that 66% of those surveyed supported Ostomir's plan mm. to restrict advertising for foods with high sugar, fat, or salt content especially around schools and kindergartens, as well as on television and on the internet. 66 support it, 67% surveyed are concerned that children and young people eat too many snacks and sweets. What do you think? Good idea? Bad idea? I know I've got opinions, I always do, but what do you think? I was thinking, okay, fine. So we won't have 11 kinds of Haribo. Well, you won't be able to advertise them, that's all. You just won't be able to put up billboards outside schools and you won't be able to stick yeah. them on, on kids' TV shows. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think, do you, is, is there a wide prevalence of snack foods? Do you think it's a big issue for, 
for kids or, or for parents? Is it something that you see a lot of and you're like, oh, that's a, that's a disgraceful bit of advertising? I mean, we already have the green light, orange light, red light thing, right? On food. Yeah, there's like health health yeah. levels and stuff like that telling you certain foods, what, what nutritional value they have. Yeah. Uh, we haven't gone quite as far as the UK, which have uh, the calorie content. I think we do have displayed. the calorie content. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to if you go to McDonald's, it's got the calorie content of each item next to them on the on the uh, display. Um, I don't know. I I mean I I don't see many advertisements for sweets and chocolates anywhere. I I, I didn't know it was so obvious. Uh, Maybe I'm not watching the right kind of TV and reading the right kind of newspapers. Although I do watch a fair share, my fair share of German TV. I, do, I mean, I, I don't, we don't allow, well, it's not so much you don't allow the kids to watch mm. uh, television so much as we just don't, we don't have an aerial. So we, mm. we watch, we stream everything. So there's a lot more control over yeah. what they're seeing, yeah. especially on like streaming platforms. But we've recently moved into YouTube. Mm. And it's noticeable on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, the kinds of advertising. So we've started, what we do now is we, we don't have a separate account. Mm. We just use my account, which means we just get advertising for like cars and shit. shit. They're like, this this is a 40-year-old uh, um, user. is uh, a male. This is what he wants to see adverts for. Uh, insurance. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of insurance. So we don't get like, we don't have an algorithm that's targeting kids because yeah. I think then you would have an issue for sure. I mean, even my friends who teach in schools, for instance, and they talk about what kind of food they see the children eating or the students eating. Um, I mean, even then, I'm very loath to talk about uh, what people should be eating, particularly children, because we are not in the position of uh, knowing, we don't know the budget, we don't know who buys the food for them and why. Do the parents go to work? Uh, can no one cook? Uh, we just don't know. And sometimes kids eat things to fit into the crowd, to be popular, to be able to share, to be liked. Uh, so I, I really don't know at what level we can start talking about food that is consumed by children. I, 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 this might, I mean, just off the top of my head, um, what do you think about it? I think... Parents ultimately are going to make the decision, but it's a much easier decision to make when you don't have like squatting kids shouting about the thing they saw on television. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the other side of it is like I've seen one child at least have sugar for the first time, and I've seen the Im the direct impact of that. And I see it whenever my daughter has sweets; the behaviour change is quite dramatic. We were, even went for ice cream on Sunday. Mm. which we do quite quite often that's kind of one of the things we do sort of mm. family go eat, have a nice ice cream and you can see the behavior shift as soon as the ice cream's been digested and really? my daughter's just a, becomes a quite wild um so sugar can i think the, the, the restrictions on just awareness more than anything else of it like we know ice cream isn't a health food mm. so we're, we're not idiots and i think most parents are the same but it's nice to it would be nice to not have like, I don't think you should advertise to kids at all. Mm. I think it's. I think there should be lots and lots more restrictions on advertising. I think advertising's a, um, like out of control in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think I think uh, you shouldn't be allowed to target kids with any kind of advertising. Yeah. Certainly, the idea of like billboards out near schools. I'm like, that's totally reasonable, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and uh but then there's like things like do you we did this i think they did it in britain they took it away and they brought it back again they might have kept it i can't remember mm. it's been a while since i've been in a british supermarket but they took away sweets from the checkout mm. which you still have in germany no problem yeah. so this you got to find a balance right between nanny state and uh and kind of freedom of of choice. Of, of, of choice ultimately, but really, it's the parents that have to bear the brunt of any advertising. Yeah. To kids like, um, what was it? My friend, was it my friend, someone I could speak. Maybe it's a podcaster. I always mix it up. Mm. I have so so little social life that I might just been on another podcast. Um, there was so there was someone was saying that they tried to keep the kid away from Pokemon because it's Pokemon's a black hole of money. Mm. Because you just get into one thing, and then you've got to buy the cards mm. and the games, and the, there's loads of cards that are already expensive. So he's trying to keep the child away from from Pokemon, and then I think the child saw like ten seconds of a Pokemon advert yeah. and was like, "Why is that? I need that in my life because it's just crack, you know? It's like crack for kids." So like you kind of you, that's an awareness I have is yeah. like there's that is a there's this stuff that's specifically designed to tap into kids' yeah. base base kind of. Uh, desires the little consumerists and, and when you start having like stanford trained psychologists working for marketing departments mm. and they're like working out how to uh, s psychologically entrap you uh, or entrap a child <laughs> in a net of of, of junk food mm. i don't i don't i kind of feel like it's all right uh, the ultimately the plan would be that uh, there'd be no um products advertised on tv the internet or the radio between 6 a.m and 11 p.m so these products will be banned. So what are they going to advertise or promote in place of these things? Or is it not a discussion with that? Hugs. Big hugs. A nice cushion. That's what they're <laughs> going to promote. Have a nice hug. Community values. Um, take Talking to your neighbors. Community values of people smoking <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> no, because the cigarette advertising's over as well. There's none of that. But I like the idea. Why not do something positive? Why not like? Well, it's a nice advert. It's just like, let's be friends. Let's hold our <laughs> hands and run through the cornfields. If you can find a cornfield, run through it. I, 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 I don't. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think. I think you, you can do a lot more to protect sort of kids from certain things. But I also concern. I, my concern is: Am I am I turning into one of those parents? He's like, oh, you got to protect children. You got to protect them from the, the world. I don't want to become a helicopter parent. Maybe this is the first step. Mm. I wanted to say something a little more reassuring, but there was too long a pause, and I had to fill it. Uh, yeah, I do feel like you waited a bit too long to reassure me with anything. I think that was a mm, yeah, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you really tried. Yeah, yeah. There's not much you can really do about it. Uh, you're going to be anything but a helicopter parent. I mean, look at you talking about parenting, what you went through, what you've seen, also the nice stuff, and then how you want to do things with your kids. I think you're a very aware parent, and uh, your kids are lucky to have you. That's uh, that's nice of you to say. I'm going to clip this and send it to my to my wife, and she can. <laughs> She can enjoy this aspect of the podcast. <laughs> what are you even telling them? You lying bastard. <laughs> the 
That brings us to the end of the show. We are off to find some lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. What's that in the bushes? Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algerman, you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on DecadesFromHome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All I have to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Tschüss.